Hey there, everybody. It's Pastor Paul. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Pastoral Devotional Series that we have got going here. We are making our way slowly but surely through the book of Exodus. And we are about a third of the way through. We are up to Exodus chapter 10. And we've been looking at the plagues. Um, And this has really been a subtext for this divine supernatural battle between the one true God, Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then just the the puniness or um, the ineptitude of the Egyptian gods and how this is being demonstrated over and over and over in these plagues. And so we're up to the ninth plague. And of course, the tenth plague, which we'll look at next week, um, is of course the the Passover itself. So so in a lot of ways, this ninth plague, I think is the way it functions in the text is to sort of bring all the previous plagues together symbolically and to set the stage a la John the Baptist to prepare the way for this 10th and most final uh, plague that we're gonna look at. But But for today, it's the ninth plague and this is the plague of darkness and just to use a little play on words there's more here than meets the eye so let me read this passage for us pray and let's dig in all right this is exodus chapter 10 beginning at verse 21 then the lord said to moses stretch out your hand towards heaven that there may be darkness over the land of egypt a darkness to be felt so moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness on all the land of egypt three days They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses says, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must not, our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God, and we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you shall see my face again, you shall die. And Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Lord, help us to come away from our time this morning and from this text with a deeper um, sense of gratitude, appreciation, and of our, of our desperate need for the illuminating work of your Holy Spirit. Father, apart from the life-giving work of your Spirit, peeling back the layers from our eyes, we cannot see. And so we're asking, Lord, that you would give us the supernatural sight, the supernatural light and wisdom that come only from you and from above. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Now, there's a lot of spiritual meaning in this passage, and I think that's one of its primary functions. But let's not get past the physical reality. When we think about how we've talked about this idea that these plagues escalate all the way from the blood in the Nile 
up to the, the sores um, on people's skins to the hail, um, you know, the, the locusts and how each of these things functioned in the life of Israel. In a lot of ways, um, this darkness would have just been the physical exclamation point on everything that's happened before, right? When we talk about it being dark here and how people were sort of immobilized in their homes for three days, um, this is not like dusk. This is not you wake up in the middle of the night and you look out and see stars. This is that kind of darkness, and we've all probably experienced it at different points in time, where things are so dark, you cannot even see um, your hand in front of your face. You're in some cave, you're in some cavern, you're in some desolate place where the darkness is as, you could cut it with a knife, right? And, and just the sort of terror that that can bring, the aloneness, the sense of claustrophobia, the sense of being trapped, the sense of not being able to escape, clearly, um, physically, um, that is what's happening here. And so not only was all of their food, food supply destroyed from these previous plagues and all their means of, of, of income, but in fact, they now had the inability, there was no ability to rebuild. There was no ability to plant new crops, to raise new cattle, to build new homes, to, they were in effect immobilized, just waiting for all they knew to sit there and to die. Okay, so, so, so there is a physical reality to this ninth plague, but there's a sense in which, of course, there is an overarching spiritual reality. And that the ninth plague really serves to function to highlight for us um, the, the very nature of the spiritual darkness that the Egyptians have been walking in. That, that like, how dense do they have to be to continue over and over and over again to not repent, to not turn to the Lord, to not relinquish their hold on the people of Israel, despite the fact that it was clearly in their best physical in, um, interest to do so. Um, but here we are in the middle of this ninth plague and there is utter spiritual darkness. In fact, there is such spiritual darkness um, the, and there's such a deception around that darkness that the people of Egypt can't even see it. So I, I think about um, the, the third prequel in the Star Wars series, Revenge of the Sith. And part of the nature of that story is sort of what happens as the dark side of the force sort of descends across the galaxy and the light side of the force is, is drowned out. In fact, it was so powerful that even those who were most in tune to the light side could not see past the dark side to what was really going on. And here we are on the other end of the theater saying, hey, if you only X, Y, and Z, can't you see that guy's getting ready to betray you? Can't you see that this guy is really the Sith Lord? Can't you see? And they couldn't see. And so here they are in the middle of the darkness and all they needed to do was turn and God would lift this darkness but all Pharaoh can manage to do is to tell Moses and Aaron to get out of his presence. Literally, I never want to see your face again. I can't see your face now. I don't want to see it again. There's, there's a play on words here, right? And this is all supposed to show us 
just the hardened state, okay, of the heart of Pharaoh. And it really also shows us the natural condition of man, of all of us, if God's supernatural intervening grace does not open the eyes of our heart, if the Holy Spirit does not regenerate our hearts to help us see spiritual reality. So, of course, we see over and over again that God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. But we have to remember that Pharaoh began with a hardened heart and that what God is simply doing here is removing, okay, any restraining power he has upon this darkness. He is letting the darkness have its way. And of course, that is the condition of all fallen man, that, that apart from the intervening supernatural regenerating work of the spirit, man will remain blind. This is a prominent theme, obviously, in the Gospel of John. And we did the very famous um, um, passage where they are at the, um, where, where, where Bartimaeus, um, is, is the blind man, is, is healed from his physical blindness. And the, the Pharisees are questioning his, his, his ability to see. And that whole passage is an is a object lesson in how all throughout the passage, okay, the blind man um, is gaining his sight, okay? Um, not just physically, but spiritually. He's coming to experience more and more and more who Jesus is, truly is. He's coming to experience more and more uh, who Jesus is, the claims of Christ. And as his spiritual sight is increasing, it's the Pharisees' spiritual sight is decreasing, and their hearts are hardened, and their eyes are blinded. And of course, we read all through the Bible, this is our natural condition. We are born into trespass and sins. We are dead to sin. I mean, we are dead to righteousness. We are like those, those bones in Ezekiel 37 in the dry valley that, that, that apart from God giving them life, they are going to remain dead. We think about John chapter three, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom, much less enter it. So, so where does that leave us um, when we think about the spiritual darkness that is all of our condition? Well, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter four. And I thought we would kind of wind up our time by looking quickly at this passage. And here's what Paul says to, to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 3. He says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul says that man is blinded to the truths of the gospel. It is veiled to him. It is veiled because he is perishing. And that, that part of this is the function of the deceptions of this world through Satan, the God of this world, who's blinded the minds of unbelievers, who's kept them from seeing the 
light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And so, so Paul says, this is our condition, which really should make us ask, well, then how is it, Paul, that we do come to see this true light? How do we move ourselves or how are we moved out of spiritual darkness? And Paul makes it very clear here. It only happens at the initiation of the sovereign will of God. Verse six, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. So what is that? It's a quote from Genesis one, right? Where God is supernaturally creating the world and he's speaking light and world into existence. And he says, let there be light and there is light by the mere word of his voice. And Paul says, this is how salvation works. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God did in creation physically, he must do in our hearts spiritually for us to see. Otherwise, unless there is not a supernatural miracle working of God's grace through his word, we will remain blinded. We will be just like Pharaoh. Our hearts will be hardened. We will wander around in darkness, which means that the only posture for a people who are desperate for spiritual sight is to call out to the Lord for him to give it. For ourselves, for those we love, those around us, those we are sharing our faith with, those that we are attempting to reaching, anything less than, than this sovereign um, act of creation in people's hearts to make them new in Christ, to make them new spiritual creatures will be completely and holy and adequate. We will be just like Pharaoh. That the, the, it, the truth is as obvious and as plain to us as the nose on our faith, face, but we just can't see it. We refuse to see it. We're unable to see it, right? And we would rather send out the one from our own presence like Pharaoh did Moses, the only one who could help him, right? As God's intermediary, he sends out the solution to his own problems. His heart is so hardened and blinded that he just simply cannot see the glory of God. And Paul says, the only way that we can see the glory of God is if God reveals it to us through his son and shines the light of his knowledge of his glory so that we can see the face of his son. And so that's what we wanna pray for ourselves. That's what we wanna pray for our neighbors. That's what we wanna pray for those close to us. It's what we wanna pray as a church. And it's what we learn from this ninth plague in the 10th chapter of Exodus. Okay, so we'll be back here, same time, same station, Monday, where we will begin to look at the prelude to the Passover and the Passover itself. Just an amazing center point of the entire Old Testament that serves as a type and a paradigm, even for our salvation under Christ, but that's gonna have to wait till next week. Lord, we do echo with Paul, shine the light of the knowledge of the glory of your son into our hearts to help us see life as it truly is, to help us see you as you truly are, where we need your supernatural, sovereign, saving grace. Please pour it down upon us. In your name we pray. Amen.